and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. <laughs> what is up? <laughs> Witchbuster. Extraordinaire. <laughs> Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios on this Friday morning, which is somehow still dreary outside, even though the rain was supposed to go away. It is Wolf and Luke. Howard Balzer in for Wolf. Howard, what's going on, man? I'm doing well, Luke. Doing well. Glad to be with you. I'm knocking off the list of all the different guys that I've been with, and this is Maiden Voyage with you. So looking forward to the next four. And it's mornings like this. It's funny. My wife and I, we've only been here now, whatever it is, two years and a few months. And anytime we get a couple days like this, I go, man, why did we come here? for this weather's awful it's <laughs> terrible what is what is this all about three days of clouds come on oh, see, but, i'm the opposite yeah. i'm like okay i've been here for a while now it's like this is actually a little bit of weather it feels like yeah, i know it is yeah i see what you're saying experience yeah uh, this is what Sometimes you should experience, but it never gets too cold. So that's the bottom line. I, I actually saw, and it was just one tree, but this was over the weekend, one tree with some leaves on the ground. And I, Ooh. as we drove past it, I was like, that is fall. That is we fall. We just drove by fall, that one tree. That's fall in Arizona. I haven't noticed Phoenix. that. I haven't noticed that yet. We haven't much. driven by the right tree. <laughs> I guess so. There's, there's only one. <laughs> I think it was in Tempe. So if you want to see fall, go to Tempe, but it might be over. Uh, all right. So we got Howard here. We're going to talk a lot of, uh, a lot of football and suns today. We got, of course, college football playoffs coming up tomorrow with the Fiesta Bowl here in the Valley. We're going to talk to Kay Ray a little bit later on, too, for the uh, the Suns matchup tonight. But uh, let's start Let's start with the Cardinals. Game against Atlanta on Sunday. I don't think anybody is sitting here being like, oh, I hope they beat Atlanta. In fact, Howard, I kind of think it's the exact opposite. I, I found a lot of Cardinals fans, and I don't mean like, hey, maybe 6 out of 10. I mean like maybe like 9.5 out of 10 seem to want this team to maybe go ahead and lose on Sunday, which is not a great spot to be in if you're an organization, but that's kind of where we are. That is a lot of the fan sentiment. There's no question about it. What I always find interesting, Luke, is the fan, everyone will say that before the game, and I have this term, I call it collective amnesia, (laughs) because you forget what you said before the season or before the game or whatever. So everyone's, yeah, lose, lose. Then they go out there and this this guy makes a mistake or they drop the ball and this thing, and they lose and they go, oh my goodness, how could they lose this game? This is crazy. It's nuts. Well, you wanted them to, right? What'd you expect? And then on Monday, it's like, see, that's why I wanted them to lose because they can't even catch a simple pass. (laughs) I think you're right. We were talking to Dave Burns about it uh, this week. We had uh, him on for some Big Red Crosstalk. I think that was Tuesday. This whole week is is a blur, but uh, he was kind of like, yeah, you know, when the game is going, it's hard for me to want them to lose. Right. But like if you're watching the game on Sunday, are you really going to be sitting there cheering for Tyler Algier? I don't think you are. <laughs> but I understand the logic going into the game right up to kickoff of like it's better if they lose. And right after the game ends, like, OK, well, it was better that they lost anyway. But during those three hours, it's kind of hard if you're programmed to be a Cardinals fan to sit there and root against your team. Exactly. And it still is about winning. And we know and the guys are talking about it in the previous show. I mean, everyone in this locker room, coaches, players, everyone, they are invested in doing what they can to try and win this football game. They're not worrying about the draft pick or whatever it might be. And my point on that has always been also is that if you have the fourth pick, if you have the sixth pick, whatever it might be, if 
it shouldn't matter that much. And I understand that as you go through the round that different players are available and maybe the guy isn't there that you want. But the bottom line is, if you do your job well, you should still get a player that can help you win. And if you're still in a position, I know trade down is what everyone talks about, but there's other guys the teams will trade up for. So there's always a deal to be made, potentially. But bottom line is, I, th- I, th- to me, it's, I hate to, you know, I hate to always channel Herb Edwards, but it is true. You play to win the game. But I do realize that some, some will say, well, okay, yeah, they play pretty, I mean, even against the Tampa Bay, you can come out of that game and point to some of the mistakes and some of the issues, but you say, hey, they, they still hung there with a team that, was in the Super Bowl two years ago. Granted, not playing well this year, but you were still hanging with them. There, people thought they lose by two or three touchdowns, right? So then, when when it's over, you say, "Okay, you know, they played a pretty good game. Yeah, they could have won, but hey." Good thing they lost because now they're still in position for that great draft pick. Yeah, and and I'm kind of of the mindset looking at these last four games. There are there are one or two or three plays you can point to in each of them where you're like if you just do this, you win yep. this game. And always is. You're right, but it feels like especially these last four games, and I think some of it is because Tampa Bay isn't very good, and the Chargers are good, but you know they they that was the game I thought the Cardinals played probably their best football of the season was Definitely. against the Chargers. If they get a first down at the end, they probably win. There was a couple other really New England and Denver are are far from good. New England offensively isn't good. They're defenses and Denver is just a mess and you can look and say oh you could have won this game you could have won that game very easily but the point is now you've lost all four here you are at 4-11 which is you know I thought they would be seventh or eighth in the NFC this season I thought they were going to sneak in as a playoff team but you could have easily convinced me now this isn't a playoff team they didn't make enough moves in the offseason they didn't address needs you would have had a really hard time before the season convincing me they might go four and 13. I, I no, I would 100% agree with that. But if someone had told you, and you, I still come back to it, and I know some don't want to hear it, but if they told you they would lose all these different players, and they'd have 10 starters on offense miss 40% of the potential starts, and you'd only have one guy on offense, Kelvin Beecham, who has started every game. The Eagles have, by the way, had 13 guys who have started every single game. And even now on defense, now Zach Allen's not starting. Buda Baker, they will, they will right now, after Sunday's game, have only three players on the entire team, offense and defense, that started every game. That's unbelievable. So if I told you that before the season and that they were going to be playing that one game without their three top corners and that DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Brown, and Rondale Moore would play no games together the entire season, then you probably say, boy, that could be pretty ugly. It, you, and it has been. It has. It's been very ugly. I definitely, if you had told me all that before the season, I would have been like, all right, they're not making the playoffs. Yeah, they can't, that, yeah, but all oh, that can't happen, right? There's <laughs> all no those way. things can't happen. <laughs> that would be but, unrealistic. But, but they have. And then these last four and last five, if you look at it, the things that have hurt them at times, obviously, is you can't convert third downs. That's been terrible. In this losing streak, I believe it's their minus seven in turnover ratio. It's not great. No, exactly. And yet, there's st- they were still games they could have won, making, like you said, making a play here, making a play here. You always ask a coach. Any coach will tell you there are four or five games, four or five plays in a game that will be game changers, whatever they might be. And most of them have gone really against the Cardinals. And so, I mean, look, there was two straight games where they had takeaways overturned by replay. Zayvon Collins is like the (laughs) unluckiest defender in the NFL this year. It's crazy. It's really crazy the things that have happened to this team throughout the entire year, not just the season. It's it's it, I, I've never seen anything like it, to be quite honest. I'll pose you this question, because Max Starks and I were talking about this on Wednesday, and I'll just tell you this. I, I have this weird feeling the Cardinals are going to win this game, and they're not going to beat San Francisco, but I do think they're going to win this game, and that's going to cause even more confusion among the fan base. But um, 
how big do you think these final two games are just specifically for Cliff Kingsbury's future? Do they think they even matter, or do you think that uh, Michael Bidwell's still looking at this and saying, okay, I want to see how he gets these guys to play in the last two games? He, he probably will be thinking that, but I don't know why he would think it would be any different in terms of getting ready, guys ready to play and going out there and playing hard. I mean, those, those are cliches. We know that. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Go out there and play hard, but we also know some teams mail it in. I don't think this team has a lot of that. Certainly Cliff is a part of it, but it's the internal leadership of the Buda Bakers and the JJ Watts and guys like that at Kelvin Beecham, who by all rights probably shouldn't have even played last week. He couldn't even get down in his stance after suffering the injury the week before. So I don't know that these last two games should make that much of a difference in terms of what Michael Bidwell's decision is. If he's made a decision already, it doesn't matter. If he hasn't, then the only thing he could be looking at is realizing that the way everything has gone off the rails, what, what coach would have come in here? What coach who would have been here other than you know a different coach than Cliff Kingsbury? Would the result have been that much different considering everything that's happened to this team? And so if he's thinking that, then these last two games... I don't know that unless they just go out there and they're just awful and they just, you know, they get blown out by Atlanta or something like that. Then all of a sudden, maybe it changes some of your thinking that you had. But I certainly don't expect that to happen. The Falcons, you wouldn't think the Falcons are good enough for that to happen. The, the last weird part of the season is you mentioned teams that give up or just kind of quit on the game. It sure looked like Denver did that last week against the Rams. And yet the Cardinals, who haven't given up went out and lost to Denver yeah, the week before. Right. And when you when you mentioned like which coaches would have turned this around or at least had a better season, I found myself thinking that throughout the season. And my first thought is like Sean McVay, he would have turned it around. Sean McVay's got yeah. the same record this year. They're one game ahead now. Right. Uh, Mike Tomlin somehow would have found a way to get his team to 500 because he always does. And, and he had, they're close and yeah. they're seven and eight. He might make the playoffs. But the, the point you made about the Rams is one I, I bring up a lot when I talk or write or whatever it might be. And because I don't want it, to sound like I'm only, quote, defending the Cardinals. You bring up the Rams and some will say, well, Sean McVay has cachet. And he does. And I'm not saying he should be fired and suggesting that by any imagination. But what happened to the Rams shows what can happen when you just lose most of your team, especially on the offensive line. And that's that's the biggest thing. When you're, when you're starting 10, 11, 12 different combinations on the offensive line, it's very difficult to have that consistency on third down in critical situations situations when you need that play made. End of the Chargers game is a perfect example. You're 100% right. That was one of the best games they've played offensively, certainly. Moving the gaining yards on first down. They're they're last in the league on yards on average yards on first down. And it's been like that for a while. They were pretty good in that game. Yeah. Then they get in the fourth quarter with the touchdown lead and three times they had the ball. And on first down, they couldn't gain, you know, they get the most they gained was one yard and all of a sudden three and three, three and outs. Those critical times of the game is when some of those deficiencies show up when you're playing a, a desperate team like the Chargers who just came out and just, just stopped, you know, stopped the Cardinals on, on three straight drives, f- field position contributed to it. And then the defense stopped them, stopped them, stopped them. And then they couldn't stop them on the last drive. So th- those are the things that make it very difficult to be consistent and make plays in critical situations. If you're headed to the college football semifinal at State Farm Stadium this weekend, get the party started at the College Football Hall of Fame. Free tailgate starting at 10 a.m. on the Great Lawn at Sportsman's Park. Music, food, beverages, and special guests will make this tailgate party memorable and admission is free. 10 a.m. on the Great Lawn at Sportsman's Park. When we come back with Devin Booker out for the next month, who on the Suns is going to have to step up for this team to actually win some games? It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balzer in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke show on a Friday morning. Howard Balzer in for Wolf. Howard, this is our first show together. And I'm just going to tell you right now. Forgot my headphones at home. So I'm using these ones that look like I'm landing airplanes in like the 1930s. <laughs> and it's very awkward. Is, uh, yeah, when you get used to something, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm not even sure these are real headphones. I think these are like those toy ones they hand out to like three-year-olds. <laughs> but we persevere. Um, we got the uh, the Suns tonight in Toronto taking on the Raptors. And right now the Suns, well, I have to do the math at this point. They've won four of their last 13. They're 20 and 16 overall. Uh, I find myself in that group where the record, I mean, it matters because the West is so good, but it doesn't really matter at the moment. I'm more just concerned with, like, do I feel like this team can consistently win basketball games? And we talked about this with Kellen Olsen when he was in here yesterday, how the one good thing to come out of the Washington game was that Chris Paul looked pretty decent. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton had a good game. Mikel Bridges, like, the, the, the kind of de facto big three for right now, they all look good. But the bad thing is they still lost by 25, right? <laughs> so they need somebody else, too. No, there's no doubt. And look at some of the games even early when they were playing well, where if Hopkins didn't have a great game, there was some ugly ones in there also. But it wasn't consistently that way. And so that, that is the cons- I mean, a lot of guys have to step up. And it's not as if you need what happened against Memphis to happen every night. Right. With so many guys doing it, but at least hey, the number one, I think the big thing, Luke, is play good defense. Yeah, because that's, that's missing. right? Because now. then at least if there's struggles offensively and maybe you're you're not having a Dwayne Washington Jr. go off the charts, but you can at least have those guys contributing where the game is close and you have a chance to win. In the fourth quarter, but when you're giving up the what? What was it? Thir- it was I know it was 127 for the game against Washington. What was it 36 or something like that in the first quarter? Yeah, I mean they were they spent the entire game. I think they were down. I think they were down 16. I'll double check that. But they they were down so much after the first quarter, and it's like okay, you kind of figure they're going to come back. They were down 36 21 after the first quarter, and they did. They cu- they cut it to 83 82 at one point, but you could tell it had taken so much out of them just to get back into a game with Washington that then right then they. Started started turning the ball over and the Wizards couldn't miss. And so one of the, I mean, it's not an excuse. I talked about this yesterday with Bick, is that when you have those back-to-backs on the road, that's not easy. I mean, everyone thinks, oh, they're pros, they're this, they're that. Well, it's to come out with that effort that you need in the NBA on a night-to-night basis to do that to, I think tonight could, could tell a good tale. How will they come out and play right from the you know, right from the right from the jump. How will they play tonight on the road, and will will at least be a competitive game? And you hope it will be. Obviously, you hope they win, find a way, and but getting that extra day, it's still on the road again. But at least you had some time to catch your breath. Yeah. And so I, I think tonight will be. But I, I agree with you 100 percent, though, that it's hard to imagine, especially over this next month without Devin Booker, that they're going to be consistent game after game after game. But just win enough. To the everyone's using the term tread water and get get these other guys back, get Payne back, get Johnson back, then at what point get uh, Booker back, hope there's no other injuries, and then be able to really turn it on down the stretch. That's well, that, that's you know, the, that's key the point, hope, right? You're hoping to, to get through this next month 
But the the big thing is, and then also like not suffer more injuries, right. and, and you can only control that so much. But I, I'm I'm fascinated by how James Jones is going to navigate this trade deadline because we are under six weeks away. There's no guarantee Devin Booker is back in four weeks. They're just reevaluating right. in four weeks, so he might not be back for six weeks. But either way, if you're going to pull off a trade of any significance. You don't start like five minutes before you pull off the trade, right? I mean, James Jones is going to have to, he probably already should have a plan in mind for, you know, a few players that he's targeting, a couple teams he's targeting, a couple players or, or assets that he's willing to move on from, and he should already be working on it because it's not something that, hey, the trade deadline's February 9th. Let's, let's really kind of get into this on February 7th. Like, it doesn't, doesn't work that way. You're not going to get a trade done. And I think part of the anxiety, if you're a Suns fan right now, is like last year and even the year before when expectations weren't that high at the start of the year, but they took off. You went into the trade deadline like, yeah, it'd be nice to add this. You know, you always want to add new uh, another piece because the other contenders are going to. But you have a good team right now. It feels like they better do something at the deadline, or this is a lost right. season. And that's, that's it's possible it could be. And I I, I still think there'll be a, again when everyone comes back. You would think there's still going to be a team that is you know is potentially can can make a run in the postseason but you still have the whole jay crowder thing hanging over for all this time and they were like, man what what is going on here but there's not a lot of trades being made in the nba and like you said i'm sure that james jones has been having a lot of discussions uh, you're laying the groundwork you're laying the groundwork who 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 is available on another team what kind of do you think that they might want what what are you willing to give up to get a quote significant piece or even a piece that can just really help your depth. Those are the things that I'm sure he's working on and will, you would think would probably happen. But the thing about doing it now is, well, you just don't know where things are going to be yeah. in a month. And so that, that, that kind of, that kind of makes it tough. But I'm sure all the GMs are doing that, doing this right now. Everyone's trying to get into position to make that deal that they feel can make them. The key is making a deal that can make your team better. And that's not as simple, I think, as some people just think. What would really help this team right now is internally some of these guys coming back. And I would say specifically Cam Johnson, because he is, if Devin Booker doesn't get to play for a month in the regular season, as long as you get to the playoffs and you're in a decent spot, Devin Booker's fine. He doesn't need, he doesn't need the games in January. It's not that Cam Johnson needs those games to be an NBA player. But you were counting on him to be like a legit, maybe second scoring option, second or third, depending on how Chris Paul plays that night, and be a bona fide starter. And to, I, I believe he can get there. I think we all believe he can get there. But he needs to actually play some games. Yes. I think he's played what seven games this year, eight games. Like so, he actually needs the regular season games too. And he's missed more than anybody. He's missed right. twenty nine games now. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, he didn't play that much. And then when you you made the point about when when you come back from injury, it's not like immediate that you're going to be playing at the level that you want to be at. And He's he'll have missed a lot of like you said missed a lot of time so it's gonna it's gonna take some time to get your legs back and be in NBA shape and all that to be able to play however many minutes a game that's that that takes a little bit of time so there there's definitely a process and everyone has to understand that that's that's the reality of the situation the other part of this that is tough is so tonight will be Cam Johnson's 29th missed game one of the guys that and so Cam was starting to play well and then got hurt. 
Landry Shamit is one of the guys you're kind of turning to right now. Like, okay, we don't have Booker. We don't have Cam Johnson. We don't have campaign. All right, Landry, this is your chance. Kind of show us what you, you can do. Like prove James Jones right for making that move last year. And he was doing it. And now he's going to miss his third straight game tonight. I don't have like a full injury report for tonight, but they've already said he's not playing. Yeah. So there, there's another, like you said, good point. There's an, there's another guy. So this is so many sports are wars of attrition. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's no doubt. No doubt about that. And some teams get hit. Some teams are fortunate and don't. And a lot of times those teams that don't are the ones that are in the best position of all. And a certain amount of that is just luck. It's just luck. I mean, it's it's the way it is when you're playing, especially in this sport. Well, all sports are similar in a way, in some ways. But when you're playing a sport where I, I don't know what I, I did the average once. And I think in, in the, the actual calendar days of a regular season. And the number of games that they play, yeah, it's it's like playing a game like every two and a half or three days on average, and it might even be a little bit less than that now. And so that is a grind, and it it's it is what it is, and with the travel and all those things, man, it's it, it's why it makes sense to to give guys some time off. And remember that that was all that was talked about with Chris Paul at the end of the last year. Going to next year, you got to be smart with him. And then of course he gets hurt, and he's and he's missing. But games. now he's the only one playing. Yeah, like Chris exactly. Paul's playing them back to back. It's like hold on, and Chris Paul looks like he's getting hurt like every other game, and he keeps playing, and everybody else is is out of the lineup. It's it's completely backwards from what it was supposed to be, and Jay Crowder was supposed to be traded by now. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Are Cardinals fans at the point where they are questioning that Kyler Murray contract? Are the Cardinals at that point? We'll explain next. It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balzer in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Wolf and Luke. Presented by 72 Souls. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, everything with the Cardinals right now is is big picture. They, yes, they've got the game against Atlanta on uh, on Sunday, and they still have another one after that against San Francisco. But it, you have to kind of look big picture with this team. We talked about it earlier, Howard, and Howard Balzer's in for Wolf today. It almost feels like most Cardinals fans just kind of want them to lose at this point and get the higher pick. I know there's a lot of Cardinals fans that want them to lose, so there is less of a chance that Cliff Kingsbury comes back. But I, I want to go even bigger picture than that. There's a tweet out there from Andrew Brandt yesterday. And I'm just going to read you the tweet. Everybody can jump to whatever conclusions they want to jump to because that's what Twitter's for. <laughs> uh, he tweeted out, It usually takes a lot longer than six months after the deal is done for fans and media to ask, when can the teams get out of those contracts? Hearing, seeing this regarding Carr, Murray, and Wilson, life moves fast. Unquote. Yeah. I, I haven't seen it that much from, at least from the media, on the Murray contract, although it has been thrown out there that there's some say, oh, trade him, do this, do that, whatever it might be. But, and it's been pointed out how much would go against the cap when dead money if they were to try, if they were to move on from him. And I, I think one of the things that's probably driving it, Luke, is that there's certainly this question when, well, let, let's say that the decision is made that the Cardinals are going to find a new head coach. Does that head coach, the head coach who comes in, is he going to be a guy that feels that he can win with Kyler Murray? And that, and that's nothing against him personally, but that style of quarterback play that has now resulted, let's be real about this, in Kyler Murray having six injuries in four seasons mm-hmm. and five or two his legs. And his performance in, in 2020 and 2021 was affected when he played injured. 
That 2020 season when he injured his shoulder, he was a different guy after that. And then, of course, got injured early in the game against the Rams that they could have got into the playoffs. And then last year, of course, suffers the high ankle sprain, comes back and is playing, but he wasn't the same guy playing on that bad ankle. Most times you wouldn't even come back and play for a longer time, especially a guy who uses his legs for his game. And so I've always questioned, Luke, whether that's sustainable. So, again, the, the, the big picture question is, even if Sean Payton was interested in the Cardinals, does he want to hitch his success wagon to that style of quarterback? I, I don't know that, that that he would. And and another coach that's going to come in. Let's say let's say it's not an experienced guy. And what do these guys know? They know if it doesn't turn around in a year or two, they might be out of a job. Yeah. And you don't even know when Kyler Murray's going to be able to play. Well, that's next season. That's where this. So, I mean, that's the great complicating factor. <laughs> yeah. is if you're a new head coach, who are you even? Even if it's not a new head coach, who are you building around at quarterback to start next season? You can't just throw away next season too. But where this gets really nuanced in terms of coaching is okay. Yeah, common sense says if the Cardinals are hiring a new coach, one of the requirements is they sit there and say, "Are we going to hire this guy?" As can you make Kyler Murray better? Right. Okay, that's one hundred percent. Like I agree that. Except, what if what if we go down this path? What if Sean Payton is available and he's like, "But I don't want to coach Coach Kyler. Get rid of him. I want to draft my own guy. That's just not the style I like." Like you said, it doesn't do anything personal. And I'm not even saying this is the case with Sean Payton, but I'm saying, what if it is somebody of that caliber? What if I don't think Jim Harbaugh will be available? What if Jim Harbaugh? What if they really wanted Harbaugh and Harbaugh's like, you know what? I'd coach the Cardinals, but not if it's Kyler Murray. I want somebody else. Then it's a little bit different because you're not going to tell Sean Payton to bend around Kyler Murray. You're going to be like, why did we pay this guy this much? Right. No, no, exactly. And you're dealing with a situation, especially with Sean Payton. I mean, I don't if you first of all, he's almost the contract is almost untradeable. And what would a team give you now for a guy that? The other teams don't know when he's going to be able to play. Can't imagine nearly as much as he's, he should be worth. Right. And then to get Sean Payton, you have to give up draft picks because the Saints own his rights. And you know what they you know, the, the word down in New Orleans, oh, they want two number one picks. Well, are you going to f- sacrifice your future somewhat? With no, especially, especially now they get this top five pick. Yeah, we're not trading this pick. Yeah. Oh, okay, we're trading it. Right. And you say, well, no, we're not going to trade that. And the Saints say, well, thanks. Sorry. We're not, we're not. We're not going to do it. Yeah. So that's all these tentacles to this situation that make it really, really difficult. But it brings up the real question is, should the Cardinals have even signed Kyler Murray, especially d- dealing with the injuries he had already had? I had said last year, Luke, in the offseason, while all that was going on, the ele- elephant in the room that no one's talking about are the injuries. And you know, look, look, look this year. Look at Lamar Jackson. Right, he wasn't playing at the end of the year for the Ravens. They didn't make the playoffs. He's not playing now at the end of the year. And what are their hopes are really without him? Yeah, Justin Fields playing great football, and all of a sudden he'd miss a game because he got hurt. Jalen Hurts is now hurt. I've just always questioned whether these type of quarterbacks are sustain. They're great to watch and they're fun to watch, but I just question whether it's sustainable over time that that a guy like that can be counted on i really it would it would be great if they just said if they do the injury scroll across the bottom of the screen where they put the injury in parentheses and with jalen hurts it just said hurts in parentheses (laughs) you guys should have seen this coming uh no i I think you know when we were we were mapping out the show and we were looking at this segment we were like okay we're going to look at this and we're going to say are cardinals fans we're going to ask this question are cardinals fans ready to move on like are we already at that point where cardinals fans are like yeah you know what i'm over this contract 
I would argue a lot of Cardinals fans last summer were sort of where you right. are. Of mm-hmm. I don't want to give them the contract in the first place. I don't have to argue that because I saw a bunch of them. They were either tweeting to me or the Cardinals or each other uh, that before the deal was signed, like, I don't want to pay this guy this much money. So I think you already had that. Yes. Where I think this gets really potentially interesting is is because Andrew Brandt is, is sending this tweet out. I, I'm assuming on some level, and maybe I shouldn't, that um, that that this is more than just fans. You know what I mean? That there's maybe some behind-the-scenes stuff with this. Like, look at the other two names on there. Derek Carr is probably going to get traded. He's probably not going to be with the Raiders. But he least. might be untradeable because of when the guarantees and his contract That's kick true. in and, and all that. So the Raiders might have to cut him. And Russell Wilson, who knows what's going to happen there. I, I, I thought it was interesting that he included, because obviously in this last week or so, and for long, there's been a lot of talk about Carr, well, Carr this week and then Wilson. Yeah, I was and, surprised to see Murray in yeah, there. Yeah, I was surprised to mention Murray in there because there really hasn't been that much about that. But... He's maybe hearing things, or maybe he's just, I mean, you know, he, he was a contract negotiator. He knows how all these things work, and he could just be stirring the pot a little bit there. But, but like you said, there could be stuff behind the scenes that, that there are those, you know, wondering about it. But bottom line is, it's, it's tough. For, it's, t- it's almost impossible to do anything with him, whether it's to move on, just because of the dead cap hit that you're going to take. Well, when Aaron first read me this tweet, I, I thought, you, you hear the first part where he's talking about it usually takes longer than six months after the deal's done for fans and media to ask when can the teams get out of those contracts. I thought it was going to be about Cliff Kingsbury or Steve Kime, right? Because that <laughs> conversation had, has been there all season. I didn't necessarily expect it to be about quarterbacks. And then you hear Derek Carr, and you're like, okay, uh, this is a quarterback. I didn't expect to hear Kyler Murray's name in there because, again, and maybe I'm making a connection that shouldn't be there, the way I read this the first time wasn't, hey, fans are wondering when Kyler Murray's gone. It was more like, is there something behind the scenes? Right. Do the Cardinals have regret that they gave him this contract? Because, yes, there's the injuries, and that's a very real thing. And, and at this point, it's the most real thing because it's affecting next season, too. Mm-hmm. But there seemed to be hesitation on the Cardinals' part. Whether there was or not, it seemed like it in the offseason. And the reality is Kyler Murray he did not take a step forward this year before he no. got hurt. That's... You pay a guy, and I'm not saying it was a lack of effort, but you pay a guy, the whole conversation last summer was, if you pay him and you still need to see another step from him, are you are you sure you're going to get that next step? We didn't see it this year before he got hurt. No, we we, we absolutely didn't. Now, there's there's certainly factors that are there. 100%. Ton of injuries remember, there, around was, there was a stir, story earlier this year where some, uh, Football Outsiders, which does a lot of analytics and numbers and things like that, pointed out, and it was being questioned a lot anyway, well, where's the deep ball? With Kyler Murray, where's the deep ball? And in my mind, I was saying, well, it's obvious why the deep ball isn't there because the the same players aren't aren't there that were there at, at the first half of last season. So I I actually went to Football Outsiders and asked them break 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 me down Kyler Murray's deep ball because they were comparing all of last year to the first half of this season when they did that. Well, they broke it down for the first half of last season and the second half of last season, and it tanked. It was beginning to tank last year, and that was after DeAndre Hopkins got hurt. So one quick interesting note from Cardinals practice today. um, Tyler Drake and Darren Urban both tweeted that Colt McCoy, who was supposed to start Sunday, was not present at practice in the open portion. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> that is, that, oh my goodness. My mind is racing now. Like, yeah. did somebody get the cliff and be like, hey, we know what we have in Colt. We yeah, may as well use these to see Trace. Or is Colt just hurt? Or is, does it mean nothing? You would think he would still be there. 
And it was funny because I on the, on the show before us, they were saying, well, you know, Michael Bidwell should step in and say we need to see more of Trace McSorley. <laughs> well, this is what everyone's blaming M- Michael Bidwell for doing is being yeah. more involved. And now they're saying that he's the one that should decide who plays, Don't who get plays involved, quarterback. But get involved this week. <laughs> but then stop getting involved. <laughs> All right, we come back. We'll go around the NFL. Which games are we going to have our eyes on in week 17 around the league? We're going to take you through our five-star games next. It's Wolf and Luke. Howard Balzer in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The NFL's best games as predicted by Ron Wolfley and Luke Lipinski, powered by FanDuel Sportsbook. All right, it's time for Five Star Games Week 17 edition. Howard Balls are in for Wolf today. Howard, this is interesting doing these shows this week, especially the Friday shows with different co-hosts, because Wolf sets his bar for what a five-star game is as obscenely high. And yet, there's a lot of times where the, it, then we'll get some game like last night's game. He'd have been like, oh, I love this game. This will be great. <laughs> so it wouldn't be a five-star game, but like every game is a four-star game. To me, though, I would say this week there are, I count seven games, actually, that I'm pretty interested in, but really only one that is five-star caliber, and, and it is yep. it is. I know. Undeniably, five star caliber. I know where you're going. Yeah, and and look, it's Monday night. These Monday yep. night games haven't been great this year, but Buffalo at Cincinnati is not just Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow. Cincinnati can still get the one seed. Yes. in the AFC if they win, and they have to win this game. Yeah, basically, it doesn't absolutely give it to them, but if they end up tied with Buffalo. And, of course, Kansas City's in the mix, too. I don't know what the heck would happen if it's a three-way tie. Well, they have to tie with Kansas City, too. Cincinnati already beat Kansas City. That's true. So you have the head-to-head sweep there. But they would need Kansas City to lose another game. Right, exactly. Exactly. But they win this game. And they're 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 in great position, and this is one of those games. It's, it's pretty crazy. Here's an interesting little nugget that this is only the third time in history that a Monday Night Football game has featured two teams that have eleven or more wins. Really? Now, when you say that, you say, "Wow, that's amazing." But then, when you really think about it, there's not that many teams in a season that win eleven or more games. In fact, I went back and che- just checked the last five years. Well, the last year there were eight. The year before is crazy. In 2020, there were 11, right? But then the previous five, there were seven, right? Okay. And so... So the odds that two of those teams meet and they got it right for Monday Night Football at the start of the season right. and it's in like the last three weeks of exactly. the season. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Okay. But still, it just shows how how big this game is and how important it is to uh, certainly both teams when it comes to that first you know that first seat. Well, ESPN could use a good Monday Night Football game. They've, they've kind of gotten screwed over on some of these this year where it's like, hey, I'm watching because it's Monday night. This isn't a great game. Uh, this one should be Buffalo and Cincinnati. And I don't know where you come out on Cincinnati, Howard. I, I, you know, all the respect in the world for what they did last year. I think Joe Burrow. If you're telling me I'm building a team around a quarterback starting today, I, he's probably right behind Mahomes. He's right there, obviously, in that group with Josh Allen. Um, I didn't think that they would get back to the Super Bowl this year, and I still don't. But I think they're going to take somebody big out, right. whether it's Buffalo or Kansas. I think they're taking one of those two out. And the thing about them, they had a tough loss on their offensive line. Lyle Collins got hurt. He's done for the year. So we'll see how that affects them because they did a lot of retooling on that line. I mean, they got to the Super Bowl not being able to protect 
Joe Burrow. The one thing that's over that's underrated about them, and I say underrated from people talking about them, is when I always hear, well, Joe Burrow has beat Patrick Mahomes three times in a row. Well, actually, what beat Patrick Mahomes in the last two games, at least, I don't remember the third one, the last two games is the, is the Bengals' defense yeah. that kept the Chiefs from scoring hardly at all in the second half. Picked them off in overtime in the playoff game. Exactly. Too. Exactly. So that defense is real good. They still have all those pieces on offense. And this is the way they did it last year. They they, they finished the season strong. And this year, the same thing happened. They were okay early. Then they had a tough stretch. Now they're playing really, really good football. So I, I think they're, they're as big a threat as Buffalo or Kansas City to, to get to the Super Bowl again. I'm not saying it'll happen, but among those three have to be the favorites. And we know it on any, on any given day, one of those teams could beat the other. Because most of those games that those teams have won have been very close games. Yeah. The last two have been by a field goal. That, the, that's the thing. The, the AFC playoffs are, and not that I don't want to watch the NFC, but I have some reservations about the first round in the NFC when it's San Francisco against Washington or whatever. Uh, but I, I think like every, every AFC playoff game is going to be intriguing, even if it's Jacksonville and whoever they play. Because I just think there's this sort of hierarchy where, yeah, this team can't win it, but they could take this team out. And then, you know, Jacksonville, maybe they could take Cincinnati. That's just an example. I don't, I don't necessarily believe that. But like Cincinnati could take Kansas City out. Kansas City could take Buffalo out. You know, it's just it's going to be fun to see how it plays out in the AFC because most of those teams that have potential are, are going to make the playoffs in the AFC too. Uh, any other games that stand out to you as a five star or less? Um, I don't think there's any real five star, but the ones the ones that have a lot of meaning to them, I think, stand out that are very intriguing. And one, the two of them probably ones you have is Minnesota Green Bay. Yeah. In in Lambeau Field, where we know the Vikings, we know all those numbers, 11-0 and in one-score games. And a crazy number, Luke, is that they've had eight games this season that they've won coming from behind in the fourth quarter. And that's what the that's what separates teams in the league. Now, you know, the, the Packers have life. They're still a flawed team in a lot of ways. But at home, they're playing with a lot, they'll be playing with a lot of confidence. You have to figure it'll be a close game, and so can the Vikings do it again. And the other one is Carolina and Tampa Bay. Yeah. I mean, I mean who would have <laughs> that, thought? That's right here on my list yeah. of, like, I'm really going to be paying attention to that game. Do I really want to watch that game? <laughs> can I watch a different game and just see the score Good of that point. game pop up? Because that, that's going to be some some rough football. But again, that's the sort of game Wolf would love. Oh, this is great. It's yeah. 6-3 with five minutes left in the game. I mean, Bucks win and they clinch the division. Yeah. They don't. And all of a sudden, the Panthers can... You know, they control their own destiny anyway, but obviously they have to win this game against the Bucs. And, and seeing the way Tampa Bay has played in these last few weeks, not only against the Cardinals, I mean, what the heck, they had to come from behind, from way behind to beat the Saints, and then they did it again, and now, you know, coming from behind against the Cardinals. So th- this is this is a team that has a lot of issues, and it's to my point that I was making earlier about the Cardinals. We see these other teams, like, you know, Green Bay won 13 games last year. Tampa Bay, I think it was 11 or 12. The Rams won 12. And look where these teams are yeah. this season. One done, and the other two just, you know, struggling just to get into the postseason. All three of them could miss the playoffs. I still yeah. think Tampa will make it, but <laughs> I'd much rather see Carolina just because that is like, that is a fun story that would end in the first round of the playoffs. I get that, but man, to go through a coaching change and multiple quarterback changes and somehow sneak into the playoffs, that to me is a lot more compelling than Tom Brady winning one of the worst divisions I can remember in football. I want to go back 
back to Minnesota for a second because my belief on this team since day one has been, yeah, they're good. They got Justin Jefferson. They got Dalvin Cook. The defense is better than it has been. But I don't trust them in the playoffs. And then as the season's gone on, it's like, okay, I, I probably do trust them in the first round of the playoffs because they're going to play with the Giants or Washington or Seattle. Or I, yeah, I'll, I'll probably take Minnesota in the first round. But I don't trust them beyond that. Now we're to the point where I don't trust them, but there's a lot of teams I don't trust. Right. Where do you come out on the Vikings? Yeah, and I'm with you on that, 100%. Because there's that whole school of thought, and there's people calling them frauds. Well, you're not a fraud when you win 12 games. Yeah. And, and everyone talks about, well, their point differential is only plus five. Okay, well, that's because they played a lot of close games. And then a couple losses, like the one to Dallas, where they got blown out. And so that affects your overall point differential. But the bottom line is, they're a very confident team that believes no matter where we are in a game that we can win it. And that, that's a good confidence to have. But it doesn't mean it's going to last. If you're in a close game in the playoffs, now you're playing the best teams every every week. And so even even in that first week of the playoffs, even though, oh, the Giants, okay, well, but they're, those those teams are still capable. Even as I said the Giants' name, I remember they just played this week. And, and they the beat them by a field goal yeah. and a 61-yard field yeah, exactly. goal. So, so yeah. I just, if they, I just if, don't trust the Vikings. I just, can't, I just cannot bring myself to trust Kirk Cousins in right. like the NFC Championship with everybody watching until he does it. And if he does it, I'm sure I'm going to hear from a lot of Vikings fans, and that's fine. But at this point, all he's done is burn you. So you probably shouldn't trust him until he shows he can do it. But if he, if they, if they win two games to get to the NFC Championship and then lose to a Philadelphia or lose to a San Francisco, what whoever it might be, then you would say, well, okay, they, they, at least they won two games. Yeah. Where you say you totally don't trust them is if they find a way to lose the first one or even the second one. Of course, the second one will be against one of those, you know, pretty darn good teams. So, uh, but I think everyone feels like we both do. Is that well, it's Kirk Cousins. He'll find a way just to to, to mess it up. That's that's at some point kind of a alarming about it is whatever you want to call them frauds or you don't believe or whatever I just not once this season have I watched the Vikings and been like you know what they can win the Super Bowl and I still don't feel like they can win the Super Bowl but what's what has become interesting is it doesn't seem like anybody right. believes like you start to look at you know predictions for the final they're not even mentioned it's like okay well yeah there's these two or three teams like for me I have four teams I think they legitimately could do it and I have like two others that are kind of fringy I don't even think of Minnesota and they're what's their record 11-3-12 Three, you should at least be thinking of them at this point. Exactly, exactly. One one other game, and I'm kind of intrigued by, especially with the Dolphins situation, with the quarterback looks like Teddy Bridgewater is going to play, and they're in a free fall, and they're in, in the race to try to make the postseason. They're playing the Patriots. Yeah. And the one thing about it, though, is even when the Dolphins weren't that good and the Patriots were really good, Miami always found a way to give them trouble. And will that happen this weekend, especially with the way things have happened with the Patriots? But that quarterback situation, they got a lot of players that can make plays on that Dolphins team. But with the whole Tua deal, so it's, it's real intriguing what's going to happen there because both both those teams are alive. And, I mean, if Miami loses, they fall to 8-8, eight and, eight and New England would improve uh, to 8-8. Eight so, eight. Somebody's going to catch Miami, and they're going to miss the playoffs if they don't win this game yes. this weekend. Uh, I would I would agree with that. And I would even throw these other two games out there just as interesting. Pittsburgh-Baltimore, because they hate each other so much, and Pittsburgh is still hanging around. And Jets-Seattle, not for the Geno Smith angle, but those two teams are still hanging around, probably both going to miss the playoffs, but that, that to me is like whoever loses that game is basically done. Yes. So if we're at that point of the season where you have some of these games where you're like, okay, cool, Rams-Chargers, like that's nice, that has no impact. But Jets-Seahawks somehow actually does. All right, we come back. What should the Cardinals expect from the Falcons on Sunday? 
Sunday, we're going to go behind enemy lines and ask Falcons radio color analyst David Archer. Next, it's Wolf and Luke Howard Balzer in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.